So Stephanie and I were married for five and a half years. We started dating and got married in May of 2005. We had both always wanted children. Uh, it was kind of a foregone conclusion for us. So Brady was born in January of 2007 and in March of 2009 then we had Hallie. And it was that December of 2009 that Stephanie had her first seizure ever. But then in March of 2010, she had a second seizure. And at that point, that's when they, they diagnose you as an epileptic. Uh, then at the end of September, right before her birthday on October 1st, she had another seizure. She ended up having three more seizures pretty close together where she also ended up going into cardiac arrest because of it. We, we basically just had to say goodbye to her at that point. It, you know, as I read the story, they came up to this water, and there's this tree that's just always been there. Uh, there's nothing necessarily special about it. The water had been there. But it was up to Moses and his faith and God's direction to follow that and throw the, the wood into the water and turn it sweet. And uh, as I look, you know, I, I'd had this blog for years, um, rarely used it. But while we were in the hospital, I decided that that was just going to be the easiest way to keep everyone updated with what was going on with Stephanie. In just a couple days' time, people from all over the world were reading what I was writing. I was just essentially being honest, sharing how she was doing, but I, I guess also sharing how I was doing through it, how I was dealing with it, how God was showing me his truth through it, how he was comforting me and, and keeping me protected and uh, giving me strength through it all. And You know, God used that. He spoke into other people's lives and I would hear back from those people about how they had grown closer to God or how they were touched by what I said or how now they were going back to church or now they were valuing, valuing their family and their marriage more. The situation wasn't any less difficult, but it added enough sweetness to make it bearable. God is just that big. Um, he's that great in our lives that we can give him honor and praise no matter what comes or what goes. And all we need is him. And when you find the healer at the other end of your pain, there's nothing that can surpass that and there's nothing that can take that away. everybody. That was uh, Brad Lachivo, a gentleman who attends our church, has been coming here for years. And thank you, Brad, for sharing part of your life that, uh, you know, you, you, you open up your heart and you let us know that despite losing your bride and being a single father of two children, um, that you can still live new in Christ. And so thank you for sharing that story. You know, looking at Brad's story, it's very evident that Brad endured a physical loss. He, he took an emotional hit, and he had a wounded heart. And he had options at that point. Do I turn to God? Do I turn away from God? What do I believe? What do I think? What do I feel? And uh, even though there was genuine wrestling of feelings, um, Brad turned to God. He knew he had things in his life that were going to need healing in the wake of loss. 
and he needed a healer, and he needed to experience Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And if you're sitting here this morning, you might have an idea of what brought you here today. You know, that, that invitation from that friend, or just, you know, you've got your agenda, but I, I just want to kind of interrupt you for a second and just, just get a thought in your mind. The reason you're here this morning is because God wants you to know, or he wanted to remind you that he is a healing God, that he is Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord that heals. As all of us come here this morning with issues in our life, things that need healing physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually in our lives that need healing, and we need a healer. And I want us to explore a Bible passage today that speaks to this characteristic of God, This speaks to God's nature as healer. And Brad referred to it in the video, and it's found in Exodus chapter 15. So I invite you right now to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15, or fire up your Bible applications if you're using a device. And we're going to find ourselves in Exodus 15, verses 15 through, or uh, verses 22 through 27, where we see God remind us that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. And so as you open up to Exodus 15, 22 through 27, what we're about to uh, enter is the part of the historical narrative where the people of God, the Hebrew nation, the Israelites, have just crossed the Red Sea. They've escaped from slavery, and God has rescued them from the hand of Pharaoh and his army. And we pick up from that point what happens next. Verse 22 of Exodus 15, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, And they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made uh, for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all the statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord your, what's it say? Healer. Verse 27, Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Let's pray. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. We come to you this morning. And God, we live in a broken world. You didn't create this world broken. You created it perfect. And God, we broke it. Now we have sin and we have death and we have disease. We've got hatred. We've got murder. We've got greed. And God, because of that, all of us have suffered wounds of some sort. All of us have needed healing, sitting right here at this very moment, need healing or will in the future at some point need to be reminded that you are a God who heals. So God, you have our attention. We think about, man, just what's going on in this world. We think about people waiting to hear back loved ones on an airplane. We think about Ukraine and so many other countries that are just war-torn. And I think about people in our nation, and people in our own church, Lord, that there's been recent loss or current distress. So, Lord, we need you. 
And we need your healing touch on our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our souls. So help us learn more about who you are as Jehovah Rapha today, Jesus, we pray. All of God's children said, amen. We spent the last few weeks in this series, we're continuing on, called My Name is God. We're looking at names of God in Scripture. You know, we just say God in English, which is great, but there's so much more depth there when you study the Scriptures, especially in the original languages. And we've learned about the name Elohim, and that's a Hebrew word of God. We've El Elyon, the Most High God, and Jehovah, the Self-Existing One. We learned last week about Adonai, the Master. And today, as I already mentioned, we're going to be talking about Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. And this passage as we looked at just now, God introduces himself as Jehovah Rapha, and I think there's some insights embedded in this passage that give us a better insight of how to understand, how to know, how to experience God as a healer. And the first one I think that jumps off for me is this. If we want to know God as Jehovah Rapha, as our healer, first, we need to identify our need our wound, our sickness. It was very evident what these people here in this passage needed. When you you look again at those opening verses, verse 22, 23, Moses set out from Israel from the Red Sea. They went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They were what? Thirsty, right? Think about dehydration. Three days, no water. And we're, we're talking about a group of people. I mean, here, here's a piece of history from over 3,000 years ago. You're talking about a group of people that estimated anywhere between uh, one to two and a half million people. When you get the image of, of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, don't, don't think of a few hundred people, a few thousand people. The, the scripture in several places says it was just 600,000 men. That doesn't even count women and children. It doesn't count all the people that joined them, you know, were their servants and all their livestock and animals. This was a massive amount of people. Three days in the wilderness, no water. They were thirsty. And then they found water, right? Verse 23, they came to Marah. They could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. Marah means bitter. And so they couldn't drink from this water. And so here, here's what we see. We see uh, uh, people that their need was thirst. They needed water, and they were longing for it. You know, I think about what Brad shared on his video. and go, There was a season of Brad's life where he longed for marriage, and he longed for family, and he, he got it. But then he didn't get to live out those roles as he envisioned. The people of Israel wanted water. They got water, but when they got to it, it's not what they had envisioned, Right? They thought they were going to put their faces in there and get some big gulps, you know, and go for it and, and just hydrate. And the water was bitter. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't have access to it. So they found what they wanted, but not as they wanted it. And, you know, as we trek through this wilderness in life, we typically experience the same time of thing. We, we, we get this picture of what we want our life to look like as far as health. We won't, we, won't, we won't get sick. We won't get hurt. Our loved ones won't get sick. They won't get hurt. We have this picture of, of wealth. You know, we want a certain type of bank account, a certain type of job, a certain type of provision in our life. And, and we, we paint this picture. And it's so funny because we'll chase after these things, and, and a lot of these things aren't bad things. You know, I, I want this marriage. I want this family. I want this job. I want this career. I want to live in this place. And we, we, we chase after these things, and sometimes when we get to there, it's not as we envisioned it. It's not as we envisioned it. It's like, oh, man, I got married. Ooh, that's work. Like, like we're different. <laughs> oh, we, we have kids. That's awesome. So cute and cuddly. Didn't we used to be able to have sleep? Like, didn't we actually 
encounter sleep in the evening, you know? Um, oh, disobedience, that's wonderful. Oh, I got this job, that's great. Oh, wait, now there's authority and responsibility. You know, it's like every time we get what we were longing for and striving for and getting there, sometimes we get to it and it's not exactly what we had envisioned. And God's going, that's fine that you can chase those things, but you can't wrap up all of your security in that. You need to wrap up all your security in me. And so the Israelites came with body water and they wanted to drink, but they couldn't because it was bitter. And you and I trek through this life and we will encounter bitterness. We'll encounter sickness. Sometimes when we need healing, it's a physical thing. Due to age, you know, exposure to things, genetics, uh, our lifestyles, whatever it is, our body will have physical needs, physical sickness that we'll encounter. Sometimes it's our minds. Man, whether it's deterioration of the, of the mind, whether it's polluting the mind with whatever kind of stuff or junk that we put in there, um, whatever it is, sometimes I think in our culture, we're such a, we're such a driven culture that I think sometimes we... We make our brain like a pressure cooker, you know, and that's stress. You know, there's things that happen in our mind where we need healing. We need God something touching our mind. A lot of times in our emotions, man, all of you in here have had a broken heart at some point, if not more than once, you know, you, you, you attach yourself to that relationship and your heart gets broke or, or you suffer loss. And, and so all of us emotionally, there's, there's things that happen in our life emotionally that our hearts get broken, hurt, and we need a healing touch. Here's the one that's most important, because when we look at the makeup of how we are as, as human beings with a body, a mind, a heart, and a soul, you can have everything beautiful on the outside. You can have the bank account, the job, the family, the career. You can have everything you ever wanted on the outside looks great, but on the inside, there's a cancer. And that cancer is called sin, and we were polluted with it from birth. And so if you need a healing touch from the Lord in your life, and you have to choose one. God says, all right, I can touch your body, I can touch your mind, I can touch your heart, I can touch your soul. Which one would you take? I don't know about you, I'd go for soul. Because the mind, the body, and the heart one day are going to be done in the sense that the soul lives on forever. And some of us are sitting here, and you're sitting here today, and maybe your world's great. Maybe you're sitting here going, I don't really feel like we need to talk about God the healer because I can't think of anything that needs to be healed in my life. And if you're sitting here, and you don't have a relationship with God, you don't have a context or an understanding of God's love for you and what he did through the death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. And you're wondering, like, if I die, will I go to heaven? And if God were to ask me, why should I let you in? What would I say? And you, you're at a loss. Or worse yet, you think, well, just because I'm a good person. And all these other things that we buy into, like, if that's you today, there's a healing that needs to happen in your soul. Because you're not, what we would say is, in Christ. You're not in relationship with the Lord. And so we all have the soul sickness. So as you sit here, it's easy to look at some words and look at a piece of historical narrative and go, well, these people were thirsty. They needed water. Well, what do you need? What do you need as you sit here this morning? What do you need in your body? How does God need to touch your mind or your heart or your soul? What is your need? Because you're not going to experience God as the healer. You're not going to experience Jehovah Rapha until you realize what you need him to heal can't ask him to heal you if you don't know what to ask him to heal you of. What healing work you need in his life. And so first you have to identify the need that you need God to heal in your life. Secondly, if we want to know God is our healer, then we also need to cry out to God instead of grumble. Cry out to God instead of grumble. Verse 24 through 25a says this. It says, And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? 
And he cried to the Lord. This is such an interesting scene because let's just kind of think what's happening here when you look at the big picture. Here's these people that have been enslaved for over 400 years in Egypt. God miraculously rescues them from Egypt with plagues and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you guys, you know, you've seen the movie, read the book, all that kind of fun stuff, you know. He gets them out. They cross the Red Sea. Three days before this moment, they're on the other side of the Red Sea. They're writing songs and they're praising and they're thanking God. It's a party. They're like, woo, this is awesome. We love God. He's amazing. Three days later, they don't have water. They're whining. They're complaining. Isn't that a picture of us? Like we can go from thankful to complaining in like less than two seconds, right? It happens all the time. And so uh, this is what they're doing. They, they start to grumble against God. And we don't have water. Well, we get it. They're thirsty. And you look at this, con- this, this contrast where you have the, all these people, you know, a couple million people, and they're starting to murmur. So that's not like a little whisper, you know? They're complaining. And only one person cries out to God. Moses. Everyone else chooses to complain when Moses says, I'm going to cry out to God instead of grumble. And you, you got to think about your life right now. When you think about your life and, and the stuff hits the fan, because look, we live on a fallen, broken planet with fallen, broken species. Stuff hits the fan. Like, like when we start to read the headlines and when stuff starts to come into our life and sickness, disease, and difficulty come into our life, like I get mad at the fall. Like, man, if Adam and Eve would have just like, if I could just go in a time machine, go back and have a little conversation with them, you know? In fact, let's just all get a big time machine and all go together. Because all the stuff that we endure, it's like, man, this, this is all difficulty is tied to the original fall of man. And it's kind of one of those hypothetical theological questions. If someone is sick, is it because of sin? The answer is yes to the original sin. It's all tied back to the original sin, to the original fall. Now, is it because of personal sin? Maybe. I'm not a big fan of like, hey, you coughed. You know, what have you done in your life? You know, but the scriptures speak to that. There's times when we stray from God that he allows, you know, things to happen in our lives. But, but ultimately, we, we experience this stuff and there's this, there's this fall. And this stuff happens in our life. And when that stuff happens, are we going to cry out to God or are we going to grumble and complain? What's more natural for us? Complain. That's what's natural. We have to go against our nature if we want to embrace God as healer and choose to cry out to God instead of complain. You know, it's interesting, going back to this imagery of they came to the pool of water and it wasn't what they thought, and so they started complaining. As you start to pursue Whatever you're chasing, a career path, an education path, a relational path, um, whatever it is, and you start to get to that body of water, if you will, and it's not what you thought it was going to be. It's, it's bitter. Do you start to complain? Or do you start to look back at how God's hand has still been on you despite whatever dissatisfaction you have in the moment? And so if we want to encounter God as healer, we're going to have to learn how to cry out to him and come to him rather than grumble and complain. So identify your sickness, identify your need, identify the hurt, what's there, so you know what to ask God for, what you're trusting him for. And then as you're identifying those things, you've got to learn how to cry out to God instead of complain. Next, if we want to know God as our healer, we will thirdly experience God making bitter things better. Here's the thing, if, if, if you've identified some things in your life that you're trusting God for, and you're starting to cry out to him and come to him, you're going to see some of the bitter things in your life get better. Sometimes, and even Brad said this in his video, sometimes um, basically what makes things go from bitter to better is they become bearable. 
I'm not trying to use bees, really. It's just happening, okay? It works, though. It works. Sometimes that, that what makes bitter better is it's bearable. It's like that daily bread that God gives you the strength, the courage, the endurance, the gumption, everything you need just for that day, just for that hour, just for that moment, just for that season. But it's still better than sitting by a pool of bitter water not being able to do anything. And if you're trusting God and you're leaning on God and you're running to God, you're going to see some of what you are experiencing in a bitter way become better. That's just what's going to happen. You know, it's interesting. When you, when you see what happens here, verse 25 it says, he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, or some versions say tree, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. That's a good California word there, sweet. The water was sweet. Um, I, the image you get in your head is like Moses reached over, picked up a stick, and threw it in there like he would throw it, like fetch for a dog, you know? That's, that's not the context here. He cried out to God. It says, God showed him this tree. This stump, this log, this wasn't like, this was a huge, you know, think of a giant tree perhaps. There was this big log, big stump that they threw in the water. Now, here's what some commentators go, okay, what made the water um, bitter was the high saline content, it was brackish, it had a lot of pollutants or contaminants, and actually, when Moses put the tree in, it had some sort of neutralizing effect because there was something in the tree that neutralized the contaminants in the water. Could that be true? Perhaps. But then you look at all these other times when God just asks people to do silly things just to see if they're going to do it, you know? Raise the staff, throw down the staff. And like, Moses is no stranger to God saying, pick up a piece of wood and do something with it, you know? This is just a bigger piece of wood. And so he takes this big chunk of wood, throws it in the water. I think God was just seeing if he'd be faithful and just obey him and do something even though it seemed odd. Either way, God's the author of the solution, right? Either way, God gets the glory. And as that piece of wood hit the water, it made it drinkable. It made it bearable. It made it sweet. It wasn't bitter anymore. You know, as Brad was talking in his video, for him, that log, if you will, was the blog. <laughs> it rhymes, the, the log blog. Um, Brad's going to have to rename his blog, the log blog. Um, he was just typing his feelings. He was just trying to keep people in touch with what was going on. And then God start, started opening channels of communication. And God started to do ministry to Brad, and God started to do ministry through Brad, through this blog. And guess what? It made that bitter situation a little bit more bearable for him. It made it a little bit better. If you're trusting God as your healer, you're going to see him do that in your life. Whatever physical illness, <coughs> mental illness, emotional illness, sickness, if you're trusting God, he's going to bring people, things, situations in that will just take the edge off the bitterness and make it more bearable, make it even better. Here's what I love about verses like this. And some of you are already ahead of me. There's greater significance to that little passage right there. You know what I love about what God does in his word? It's just a constant testimony that the Bible is true. And the Bible's a supernatural book given to us by God. Is he'll talk about things hundreds and thousands of years here. They're just a little appetizer, a little foreshadowing of something he does later. There was contaminated, polluted water. God told Moses to put a tree, a log, a big chunk of wood in it to make it better. 
We were born into humanity, which is a cesspool of sin, and we're born with a sin nature. We're born messed up. We're born bitter in a bitter world, and God took a piece of wood and fixed it by nailing his son on it. And just like that piece of wood got into the water and cleansed that water, God says, I love you, and you're not able to clean yourself. You're not able to purify yourself, so I'm going to come I'm going to allow them to nail me to a cross, a piece of wood, that tree, so that you can have access to me and that the sin, yeah, you'll have to deal with it while you're on earth, but you'll not have to deal with it in heaven because if you come to me and you come to the Lord and you say, I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, but you, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, you have given me access to you, forgiveness of my sins. I want that purification. I love what we see in Scripture. It says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, He himself, speaking of Jesus, He himself bore our sins in His body on the what? The tree. And it's a reference to the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been what? <clears throat> Healed. All the way back from Moses, chucking a big old log into the water, God was already thinking about the cross having to be erected in humanity to pay for the sins. My sin, your sin, nailed to that cross by a piece of wood. And you know what? <clears throat> it makes this bitter life a little bit better. It makes it more bearable. A couple days ago, I saw on social media that a man that I went to school with and a, and a man that I pastored, um, his life ended. And I don't know the details. They're still sketchy. And I was like, you know, you know when that happens, when you lose a loved one or you lose a friend or something like that happens, it just kind of gets you in a funk for a little bit. You're like, wow, this, what happened? And you feel sadness and remorse. But see, if you're in Christ, if the tree has been erected in your heart, the crucifixion of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, instantly I went, I'm going to see him again. I'm going to see him again. You know what? That makes the bitterness, just a little bit better. It makes it more bearable. How are you seeing God turn bitter things into better things in your life? Because if you're, if you're going after Jehovah Rapha and you're coming to him and you're not complaining, and you're just trusting, and you can be raw with God with your emotions. You don't have to be filtered. God can take your, the ugly thoughts. Just come to him. You'll see him turn bitter things into better things. Fourthly, if we want to know God as our healer, we will listen and obey what the Lord tells us. We're going to listen and obey. Look at the connection that God makes as he's, he's talking to Israel here. Verses 25 and 26, it says, The Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. God was reminding them of the covenant that he had made with his people. You know, if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Josh talk about Adonai, the master, and the role of the master was to protect and provide. This is what God is saying. He's saying, I have made a commitment to you, Israel, that I will protect you and provide for you. If you listen to me, if you obey me, if you know my law and you keep my law and you pace with me and you come under my umbrella and you submit yourself to me, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. All that stuff you saw me do to the Egyptians, all those plagues and diseases and all that crazy stuff, you're not going to ever have to encounter that. 
I'm the God who takes away his disease. I I can preserve you, protect you. I can make your wombs not barren. I mean, God's saying, I can do all this for you. But you're going to have to pay attention to being faithful to me. Now, here's where we have to be careful because we don't want to take a promise, a covenant commitment that God made with Israel and instantly apply it to our life because this was for a particular people at a particular time. We can ask for that same promise for us. But we can't just instantly um, transmit that to our life. But what we can do is we can start to live by those principles. The principle here that God's saying is, look, if you you walk with me and you live for me and you listen to what I tell you and you apply it, it's going to go well for you. It's going to go well for you. Like, like for example, let's think about about sex before marriage. God designed sex. He designed marriage. And marriage is the fireplace that that's supposed to burn. We talked about this a long time ago. Keep the fire in the fireplace. God wants you to have amazing, intimate, powerful connection as husband and wife. In the context of that relationship, that's a fireplace like the biggest, baddest, awesomest, hottest fire you can burn. Go for it. Have fun. Outside the fireplace, something's going to burn up. Anytime you do what God has designed outside of his design, it's going to have some sort of effect. And I know this is just hitting home for a lot of you because some of you, if you could get back in a time machine and go back in your life, you would not have done certain things with certain people. You would not have gone down certain roads. Why? Because you have, it affected you. It affected your heart. It affected your relationships. It affected your body in some cases. Why? Because you lit the fire outside the fireplace. God is saying, I've built these things, the law, the, te- you know, the commandments, uh, my word also so that you can know it and that you can apply it. Don't just listen to it, but apply it. Obey it. And if you do, it's going to go well with you. You're going to experience healing in your life. That principle we can translate. Coming to God as healer when things are messed up, that principle we can translate. Calling him Jehovah Rapha when we pray or when we seek him, we can do that. But there's an obedience clause here that's so important. Because we, we can't expect to live our lives in rebellion against God and not have consequences, circumstances, or difficulties as a result. That's just foolish. That's just foolishness. You know, my kids, like I tell them to do something, and I know they hear me. I'm like, that's nice that you heard me. If I tell them to do a chore, did you hear me? Uh-huh. Are, are you going to do it? <laughs> We've all been there, right? Like you're going, I know you heard me. Teacher tells you to do something. You know, you're a teacher. You tell your students, you know they heard you. Wouldn't you get the satisfaction when they act upon what they heard? Lord, I went to church. Uh Uh-huh. I read my Bible. Uh Uh-huh. I memorized memory verse. Great. I heard the sermon. Awesome. Are you applying it? Are you doing it? Are you living it? That's what God's saying here. Live by my teachings. Live by my word and see what I'm going to do for you. If we want to see and experience God as Jehovah Rapha, we've got to obey him. Some of you are here, and maybe it's physical issues in your life, mental, emotional issues, definitely spiritual issues. And the reason you're experiencing those things is because you're not submitting your life to God. And today he pulled you back in one more time and go, look, I love you. I want the best for you. I don't put up rules to take from you. I put up rules to give you life. I put up barriers and fences so that, so that you can have a freedom within those contexts. But you start tearing down the fences or cutting through them or whatever you're doing, you're going to get hurt. 
And so if you don't want to experience Jehovah Rapha, the healer, then we've got to identify what we need him to heal. We've, we've got to learn how to come to him and cry out to him and not complain. We, we, when we start to do that happen, we're going to start to see bitter things become better and bearable in our lives. And we're going to start to see the connection that if I'm obeying and submitting to God, like it's going to go well with me. And if it doesn't, like even if I'm faithful to the Lord and bad stuff's happening, I'm not going to abandon him. I'm not going to jump ship because I know God is still with me. He's still going to be with me. And lastly, if you want to know God as healer, trust God for Elam. And some of you are going, uh, what is that? Is that like a city in the next Lord of the Rings movie or something? Like, what is that? Look at verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there by the water. Elam means place of trees. Look at the narrative here. Slavery. Rescued. A little bit of wandering, started to complain. All right, look, I'll give you a little bit of bearable water here. But now I'm going to remind you, be faithful to me. You're going to experience me, Lord, as a healer. Now, I'm going to take you to an oasis. Like, here's a pool of water that I kind of made better. But after that, they went to a place that had 12 springs. Not pools, springs. Life-giving. Keeps producing water. 70 palm trees. This is a place of rejuvenation. This is a place of refreshment. As you and I are going through this earth, dealing with the sickness and death and disease and all the other stuff, that gets, and we just keep coming to God, he's going to bring moments of refreshment along the way. There's going to be times of healing. There's going to be times of uh, the pressure's up, times where we can take a breath, times where we experience blessing, all that kind of stuff. That's going to happen. But even if those times are short or a few between, we know that there's a big oasis waiting for us at the end. We know that there's an eternal Elam, if you will, waiting for us at the end. And until then, we're faithful. We can experience these little Elams along the way. I don't know what you're experiencing today. I don't know what's going on with you physically that you're trusting God for. I don't know what's going on with your mind or your heart. I don't know what's going on in your soul that you're trusting God for. But if God is true to his word, and he is, if you come to him as Jehovah Rapha, and you cry out to him, and you obey him, and you listen to him, you call out to him, and you come to him, he's going to bring you refreshment. There's some sort of refreshment around the corner. So maybe you're trekking through the wilderness right now. Maybe you're camping out at Mara, and it's It's bitter. And God hasn't done anything to make it better yet. Maybe you're at Mara and it's, it's gotten a little bit more bearable. It's gotten a little better. And God has an Elam for you right around the corner. You've got to trust that. You've got to hope in that. You've got to be faithful knowing that that's coming. And if you have that mindset and you have those experiences, you're going to encounter God as Jehovah Rapha. And we think about all this stuff all the things we're talking about here, ultimately what we're talking about is are we, are we trusting God as healer? Like, is he our first response or our last resort, you know? We want to continue to make him our first response. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to close out the service a little bit different today. I'm going to stretch you guys. You guys okay with being stretched a little bit? Some of you are like, yeah, bring it. Some of you are like, oh, no. No, I don't want to be stretched. 
Everything I'm about to say is an invitation, not obligation. Everyone say invitation. Not obligation. Okay. This is a big topic. I feel like I just scratched the surface. I feel like I just like opened up a can and said, okay, have fun. <laughs> you know? Here's what I'm going to do. There's a couple tools that we've made available for you. One is that response card. We really hear and see some great things that God does in the lives of people through the response card. Man, you need prayer, you need interaction on some level. Turn that in here in a little bit. Let us know what God's doing in your life. Second, uh, every week during our life group semesters, we produce a, a weekly study guide that goes with the message. If you're interested in this topic, and it's produced some questions in you, just go online. Go to this message and look for the study guide link and click that and that's good for life groups, family devotionals, friends, mentoring, personal devotional. There's another tool for you. It's another resource. Here's the resource I, I want to really encourage you guys to engage today. The resource is the opportunity to pray for healing. Whatever that looks like. Like, like trusting God for some sort of healing work in your life. For some of you, it's a physical thing. There's sickness, there's illness, and you just want to healing. You're just going to continue to cry out to God. Here, here's the question. Will we still trust God and love God even if he doesn't bring us the healing? We're still going to trust him even if the healing doesn't come when or how we want, if at all. It doesn't mean he's not a healer. It just means he's chosen to not heal. You look in Scripture, he didn't always heal. There were times that Jesus chose not to heal. The apostles, amazing men of God, didn't get healed. Because God had a bigger purpose. So maybe you're praying for that. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's something going on in your mind. Man, there's, there's an addiction issue. It's a stress issue or whatever. And you're just like, man, just, somebody needs to pray for what's going on in your mind. Maybe it's a heart thing. You, you've come today with a broken heart. You're emotionally spent. And you just need someone to pray over you emotionally. Maybe you're here today and, and it's the soul. You do not have a relationship with Christ. And we'd love to give you a relationship with Christ. Talk, talk about how you can just talk to the Lord and accept his invitation. Here's what we're going to do. A lot of times we have just a few people that are available, and we're going to do that. We have a prayer cove back there that if during the end of the service or after the service, if, if you want to just get some prayer with a person over a specific issue, kind of a confidential setting, we're going to have friends back there, elders back there, staff back there. Uh, if you're familiar with James 5, some of our elders will come prepared to just pray over James 5 for healing, if, if that's something that's very heavily burdened on you. But the greatest resource in this room is one another. Because God made the church to be a family. And this is where it's going to stretch you guys a little bit. I'm going to challenge you guys to close out the service in a few minutes. Just turning to one or two people next to you. Just saying, how can I pray for you? What do you come with today? And for some of you, this is very natural. For some of you, you know, maybe you don't have a relationship with God yet. Maybe you've never prayed out loud before. You're a little bit freaked out. Again, invitation, not obligation. You can say, hey, unspoken prayer request, thank you. You can say pass. <laughs> it's okay. No pressure. But I believe you came here because you wanted to grow spiritually. So my job, challenge you to grow spiritually. And one of them is learning how to pray for one another, even if you've never done it before. And just go to Jehovah Rapha, go to God, say, I'm going to pray for this person because this is what's going on in their life, God. Would you do something with that? And so I'm going to release you guys here in a second just to, just to pray with the people next to you. If you need some 
some focused prayer that you want, go to the cove. There's a few people back there. And in a little bit, Pastor Brian will close us out. You have a God who's a healer. He's a healing God. Whether he chooses to or not, that's another issue. That's another message. <laughs> but don't be misled. He's a healing God. So right now, just break out of the barriers a little bit. You know, loosen up. Talk to a couple of them next to you and just say, is there anything I can pray for you about in regards to what we talked about today? On your mark, get set, go. Go.